The golf season has arrived, and if you're looking to shave strokes off your game, you've got to visit the golfballs.com retail center. New inventory is arriving daily. Check out the newest clubs from Ping, TaylorMade, and Callaway, the latest balls from Titleist, Bridgestone, and Srixon, or the hottest apparel and shoes from Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. Located in the Boulevard Shopping Center on Arnold Boulevard next to Harbor Freight Tools, golfballs.com. We're in your bag raging cajuns podcast i'm your host kevin wilson alongside me today a very special guest he's a defensive end five-time pro bowler all pro defensive end for your new orleans saints it's cameron jordan cam what's going on man hey you know just just another day in this quarantine life i appreciate you having me on one time for the quarantine life what is that behind you this yes this guy yeah. Uh, I had a, a local artist sort of saw what I was doing out of the community and apparently uh, felt a little inspired to to draft up a a portrait of this mustache. So now the mustache is immortalized, and <laughs> I didn't realize I didn't realize how big it was initially, right? Oh yeah. So then I was like, where do I put it? I was like, I got to put it on the one wall in my office, and I, I was like, you know, that's sort of where I've been doing interviews. So now this guy is <laughs> this guy is in every interview. So I'm, I'm feeling sort of like a big, I, I hate, I don't know if I can say it. On, on, on I, hear you. I understand. Yeah, I feel, I still, I feel very, uh, you got the, uh, the out that it is art. So uh, yeah. you can always get away with that. It was art. Um, what's the family life there? You're quarantined, locked in the house. Do you have a wife and kids? What's it looking like there? Yeah, wife, three kids. I mean, I've got, um, you know, overly athletic wife, overly competitive wife. She can't, you know, she, uh, she was a McDonald's All-American in basketball. You went to Rutgers, which I guess is a university. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they just got the, the bricks beat off of them by Cal all the time that they, that she, they ended up playing or why she was there. So, you know, I'm not trying to be an elitist. I'm just saying it's a very competitive household. Minor I've details. Got a, <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a four-year-old son, um, Tank Jordan. Uh, the legacy, the legend. Uh, I probably should should not dub him the legend already, but I, uh, you know, that's my only son, so I need that. Um, <laughs> then, of course, I've got Glory Jordan. Um, that's my little attitudinal princess. And then I've got uh, my one-year-old Nia Jordan. And apparently, I swear, within the last six weeks, she's caught all the attitude of my daughter, my oldest daughter, and her mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that little that little one and a half year old is giving me all types of facial expressions and grunts. Like we're not having clear sentences, but we've got enough words to 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 make it understood that me and her are gonna have to box one day. And I guess perfectly fine. Like I'm perfectly fine with stooping down and fighting a two year old. Like I do it. Hey man, you see it coming. It is your house. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so it is weird, um, you know, in this time, usually as a football player, you're maybe home and get to spend time maybe during the summer for a month or two, and then you're right back at it. And these times it's different. Are you seeing the relationships building with your, your kids and your wife a little different? Actually, there's not much that, that would change at this point in time. I mean, um, the last six weeks is sort of that time where I start training and getting ready for OTAs on my own. So I've really not much in terms of schedule changes in terms, except that they're not going to school from, you know, nine to two or whatever it is. Now they're at home, which, right. you know, again, that doesn't change much because my four year olds only been going to school for two years. My three years old, oh, three year old only been going to school for one year. So it's not too far out of the realm for them to be at home anyways. Um, so this is sort of exactly where I want to be. You know, there is, 
there is no difference for us in terms of scheduling other than she's the English teacher, math teacher, whatever history teacher. And I'm like a substitute sometimes the PE teacher right, right. will we'll possibly discuss letters right. and talk about numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Only call me when you need me. Only call me when you need me. If you need me. Right, other than right, that, right. like, other than that, I'm trying, I'm trying to learn. I'm, I'm on this Rosetta Stone. I'm trying to, you know, mm. I'm trying to stretch. I'm trying to lift. And then I look up and it's like two o'clock and I come in the house. She's like, so, so, you know, I got, I got to get right for her. I got to be right just in case the call. Right, if, right. Best case scenario, this thing lifts. I'm going back in, you know, just treat it like it's a regular situation. Don't take it like it's a quarantine. Just take it like it's leading up to OTAs. For sure. So you are just working out at home and there's no difference. You're already pretty much set up at home. Exactly. I mean, okay. um, you know, I had surgery, what was that, nine weeks ago, 10 mm -hmm. weeks ago, uh, right after Super Bowl. So February. Now, that's getting far away from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's call it, let's call it 10 weeks. Um, and so luckily, I still get to go to the facility and have one-on-one -on -one with the trainer. And then I come home, do some extra stretching, and then I come in. So it's legitimately like I'm still in OTAs. Except are you wearing a mask? Absolutely. Well, I got the N ninety. I got the N ninety five for the kids. I got we got special personalized masks. My dog Tank has a little Spider Man mask. Oh, you know, course. a little with the filter, and then so the girls have their Anna and Elsa and Tiana or whatever Moana. Like they got all the princess masks. So now they, you know, they think it's fun if they get to rock the mask. Yeah, because we yeah. tried. We tried the the everybody having surgical masks, and the kids are not down with that. A four year old just doesn't care about a N ninety five mask and his safety. Like it's. I understand it. We just had to figure out a different route to go. Yeah, it's not cool. It's not cool. Um, you were uh, born in Minnesota, uh, high school in Arizona, Cal football, mm. and now you're in Louisiana and have been for some time. Uh, what decade. was it like? Yeah, yeah. What's, uh, what's it been like making that change over to Louisiana life? Uh, had you asked me this 10 years ago, probably would have been a little bit different. But, you know, as of – uh, you know, it's so easy to embrace the city of New Orleans. It's so easy to live down in a CBD and be able to walk and go to, you know, places like Koshan, go to Chapatulas, go to, you know, walk over to Magazine, have tacos, you know, whatever it is. Um, being a part of the city is just almost second nature. You walk in and the community sort of embraces you. And then, of course, you do like charity basketball tournaments out in with my after my first year out in Eugene mm -hmm. so then you're coming on the way back you're like well I'm right in Eugene so I might as well check out Monroe or I might you know check out ULL so then you know you learn about the bar row that is that is right on you know ULL's property and then it's like oh oh the kids get it in mm -hmm. kids get it in mm -hmm. regardless and at yeah. 23 years old you know you blend in quite well now at 30 years old I wouldn't know parts of any of this but <laughs> <laughs> You know, there, there was definitely there was definitely a time and place for everything. So um, just trying to expand the knowledge of what it is to be a, a New Orleanian or be a Baton Rougean or, you know, be for a Shalmatian. Mm. Crazy, mm. crazy. Now, uh, you are being a little disrespectful because now the athletic department is the University of Louisiana. No more ULL. <gasps> yeah, yeah. University that just tells you how long I've been here, and that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Uh, wait, wait. So, so it's not ULL. So, no. Louisiana. So, so, what am I supposed to call it? Louisiana. The, what? Like, like the state name. I know Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I don't like it. Mm. 
I don't want to come through the screen. I'm just saying. Uh, ULL was ULL is is what? It, so now I'm just like, oh yeah, you go to you go to Louisiana. Come on, you said it perfectly just now. I don't understand the problem. Because when I think Louisiana, I think LSU. Then I think I see. ULL. Now, I think ULL. Now, now I think your internet connection just got a little fuzzy. Um, but <laughs> Louisiana, <laughs> Louisiana, raging Cajuns for sure. Um, and we've got. Yeah, we've got a couple seniors as well who are, um, you know, the likes of Robert Hunt, uh, Kevin Dotson, Raymond Calais, Jamarcus Bradley, a uh, few star players that'll be uh, draft prospects. And um, you've been through this situation as well, a star football player at Cal who went in the first round. What are some things, I know this is different times, obviously, but what are some things that they can look forward to being drafted and then after that draft day? Uh I mean, you got to enjoy the process. All, 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 no matter how long you've been in college, whether it was, you know, three years or four years, uh, the route you came from, whether it was, you know, junior college to, to Louisiana or, or you know, uh, just the entire process that is your body of work of your collegiate experience, you've put in that work. You've done everything you could to this point to be at the best, uh, give yourself the best opportunity to then get drafted. So at this point, just relax and enjoy it. Whether you go in the first round and you know you go in the first round or you slide up to the first round or you fall to the fifth, sixth, seventh, or you go undrafted, what's important is the process. Enjoy each part of this. You're only going to be a rookie once. Embrace that role. Um, the ability to make a 53-man roster, there's so many people in this world that would trade their left leg, their, you know, their, their entire body and soul to be where exactly where you are. Um, so embrace all that it is and, and love the grind. I mean, difference from being drafted and being undrafted, sure, it's money. But the ability to create your own legacy, that's what you have to offer you as you get drafted or as you get placed on a team. What you do with your first check? Bank that thing. No, I, uh, what? I believe my first check, I... I mean, I bought a car. I bought a 2011 Tahoe. I have to this day. I needed a car. I gave my little mm. sister my uh, my car from college. And then, um, heck, I ended up giving – once she once she got married and her husband got her a car, I took my car back, my, my 2006 <laughs> Dodge Charger or whatever. It's 2007 Dodge Charger. Yeah. And then I ended up giving it to my brother, like, hey, uh, his, whatever, his whatever went out on his car. So I was like, don't hurt my baby. She's coming back to me. Like that's why mm -hmm. right, right. right. <laughs> this is a loan. It's not, I'm not giving away. So, um, and then, so I've only bought, you know, my 2011 Tahoe um, for myself, I guess I, I had to buy my wifey a car. And of course women want the world. So she, she got an Escalade and it was well, I mean, <laughs> something like, I never, I never had rims. Like I bought, I bought a Tahoe. You don't put some real rims on a Tahoe. You just, you know, you just want to keep it stock. You just like, just rock it out. Right. But you know she's got she's got the caddy and you know the the, the Forgiato rims on her or whatever they mm. are and they, it looks clean. Her car is eight times better than mine. Either way, that's what happens when you get a wife. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, other than other than the the car that I bought for myself, I mean, I think I took like it was an obscene amount of money out. I took like I like had to sign forms. Like some managers came down. I like signed out like two hundred grand. I was like, all right. They're like, so you're, you're really going to walk out the, the bank with it? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Once I signed all the forms, like went through it, had to come back like the next day. I like, it might not have been that much. It might have been like 100 grand. It was it was an obscene amount of money to come, yeah. come out of college. And like, right. I saw him place it on the thing. And I was like, I like held it. I think I like took some pictures off like the iPhone. What was it, four or five at the time? I was For like, sure, right, right. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> all right, put it all back. Yeah. 
excuse me? No, 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 I just wanted to see it. I, I didn't know if you just let me see. But, I mean, I again, electronically, that's what money looks like. But I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Now, you were drafted um, to a fairly good team. Um, you were pretty fresh off of a Super Bowl appearance. Um, right. What was that feeling like to not only get drafted, but to know you were going to an organization that knows how to win? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you talk about getting drafted to New Orleans Saints and being a West Coast kid, you're just like, and I know Louisiana's the boot state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they've got, I mean, they've got Reggie Bush. Right. So, you know, <laughs> when you're coming from, when you come from the pack, you know, pack players. So it's like, all right, well, I remember, you know, going to a to University of Tennessee game going, or University of Tennessee Cal game um, the previous year of whatever, I think Robert Meacham was on the team. So it's like, you know, like familiar names or whatever it is. Uh, you get down to Louisiana, it's like, no, that's Drew Brees. Like, no, that, that checks out. That's, that's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you expect him to be like, yeah, like, you know, they say he's six foot. Uh, he's not six foot, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, you can't don't – don't, don't judge the dog, you know, the fight in the dog. Don't judge the dog in the fight. Judge the, the, the fight in the dog or something I, like I that. I just said either way. Yep, Ooh. yep. <laughs> that. Uh, so, I mean, so you come through and you know exactly what you're getting into. And, actually, it's a lockout year, so you don't have OTAs or whatever. So we're working out at Tulane. It's like you meet Will Smith, you meet John Vilma, and, you know, this. you meet Roman Harper and you meet Malcolm Jenkins and, you know, Jabari Greer. And it's like all these guys that you look up to, then this Sean Rogers and Abreu Franklin, these OG OGs. Um, and he was like, yo, these, these dudes got so much game in them. And it's like, all right, well, I'm a first rounder. Like, you know, I've got to, I've got to try and get this spot from Alex Brown. I've got to, you know, I've got to uh, fight for my ability just to, you know, if, a, if it's a rotational role, whatever it is, embrace this role. But I'm going to show them that I'm going to grind way harder than anybody else here. And it's like, oh, by the way, I've never really watched film. So now, mm-hmm. like, what can I learn from him? So, you know, I'm talking to Pops. And he's like, hey, he's like, you've got, you've got an ultimate, like, mastermind in John Vilma. Take what you can from him. you got, like, a six-year, seven-year vet and, and Will Smith. Take what you can from him. So then I'm like, all right, well, but how can I learn from you? It's like, shut up, Rook. All right, cool. I shut the hell up. <laughs> what? what? What are you looking at on the TV? Like, you know, like, what are, you, what are you looking at on film? Like, what is it that I can get from you? Like, all right, well, Will, you know, you've had a 13-sack career or 13-sack season. Like, what What was it that, you know, changed your difference? Shut the hell up, Rook. All right, cool. I, I, I get it. I, go give me some water. And I get that, too. Right, right, right. But what made you different? <laughs> mm, right, right, right. You no, know, it's just like whatever I can do to, like, you know, set myself up not just beyond my rookie year it's it's what can I set myself up for for the fundamentals what can I set myself up for a regiment what can I set myself up like you look at the body work that uh Marcus a guy like Marcus Colston put together where he has 7,000 yard seasons it's like all right well I mean I get that you play offense but what is it about you that has made you so successful in this league you know you got uh just dance Lance you know more back in the day so it was like you know he's flashy but at the same time he was an undrafted kid he was you know like what is it that that changed him from just being an undrafted guy who's out in a couple years to being an established wide receiver like what is it it's that the intangibles like what can I get from you so it's the work ethic it's the breaking down film it's the way you carry yourself in and out of the building it's how you work out it's it's everything else that nobody talks about um it's it's working out when nobody sees you. You know, you go out, you go out after practice and you see guys working on their handcraft. It's like, like this extra step is what's going to get me there. It's not just the, the ability to say, hey, I'm a pro. Hey, I run fast like everybody else. Hey, I work out like everybody else. What is it, the small things, the finite things that you can control um, that pushes you to that next level? 
Steve Jordan, your father, um, former NFL tight end, how much did he prep you for what you were about to experience? A lot. I mean, everything that I thought I'd been through, or, you know, or was going to go to, he go through, he'd already been through. So I leaned on him a lot that rookie year, um, like, you know, what to expect, all this other stuff. And, you know, from his days, he was back in the 80s when they really mm. used to haze guys. And, you know, now it's like hazing is looked on negatively. I mean, it is if you take it too far. But mm. it's also a rite of passage. And some guys are, you know, the day and age doesn't allow you get to pass on tradition as it should be. So I, 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 can, only, I can only go like this. We treat all of our rookies really well. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, <laughs> um of course, uh, coming into the NFL, you have the battles of fighting against some people that you've watched on TV for years. Who was that one guy who really lived up to that mantra where uh, you said, this guy was good growing up, and, oh, okay, he is actually really, really good? Uh, I'll let you know if I ever get there. Mm. Mm. I mean, it, it is what it is. At, at some point, I, I always viewed offensive linemen, even probably when I was playing offensive linemen back in high school, I was like, why am I getting hit? Mm. Nobody, and like, and I've had this argument 3,000 times in the locker room and beyond the locker room. Like, nobody has ever, like, woken up and like, ah, I want to be an offensive lineman. Like, yeah. Yeah. my greatest game is when nobody calls my name, and my worst game is when everybody knows I've done something. Facts. <laughs> I don't know if that, if it just doesn't, correlate to what I want like if I work that hard if I put out my best effort like if I went for a three-sack game and nobody knew what I was doing I'd be like oh okay so that probably motivate me to do more but if, at the end of the day if you finish the end of the season it's like nobody's talking about it like nobody's like hey Cam you did a great job I'll be hard pressed like I just be looking around like yo did you mm. I'm putting together this season y'all like right. how do you not know like you know we have Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, probably the two best tackles in the game respectively speaking how many people are going to hmm. – Willie Rofe, one of the best tackles in the game. Like, if you don't know offensive lineman play, you'd be like, oh, he's a big guy. It's overly disrespectful for the crap, the time and effort that you put into your craft. And to come down to it, you don't get to hit anybody. Your mm-hmm. best job is to get in the way. Yeah. Your be- like, your moniker is roadblock. Like, what do you do? I protect the guy. Hmm. So are you saying that you have the most respect for them or that Both? they're – yeah, I'll yeah. say, how do you get out of that? I've got the most respect for them not being respected. <laughs> <laughs> how many times were you pancaked in your rookie season? <laughs> mm. What? I was too strong. No, nah, that man. didn't happen. Nah, I came, I came in hefty now. Like I wasn't, I wasn't this lean thing. I was that baby fat was real. I was probably like <laughs> it said two eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. On paper, right. <laughs> 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 Now, of course, your uh, your early career um, couldn't have gone without a hitch. Um, almost immediately out the gate, there's the uh, the bounty gate goes down, and uh, the NFL turns its uh, turns its targets on the New Orleans Saints. Um, that feeling in the locker room, uh, that camaraderie with coaches, uh, was it? A, how trying was that time going through that? I mean, honestly, as as a young guy, you just got to focus on what you can control. I knew that we had D coordinator and Greg Williams and that had to, you know, focus on whatever his game plan was. And then the next year that lockout, you know, when, when Sean gets suspended and then, you know, coach Vic gets suspended like halfway through the season, you're just looking like, and you also have a new D coordinator. And I think what was that Steve Spagnuolo? Mm-hmm. I had four, four D coordinators in five years. So it got, it got awkward. <laughs> mm, right. um, you know, so when you talk about 
um, just trying to focus on trying to be a better person, trying to be a better athlete, and yet you have all this instability within the franchise that's been so stable. Um, it gets awkward as a young kid, but at the same time, it's easy because you're focusing on exactly like, hey, like I can't look at the grand scheme. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what, what my role is, what my niche is going to be in the league. And then you have the spotlight, obviously, that shine directly on the Saints. Uh, brings me to the question of how – how much does media actually affect you guys? I mean, you have some stuff where a player will say something and maybe that goes up on this imaginary bulletin board, but how much does media actually affect you guys day to day? I mean, that probably just defend, depends on the person, right? Yeah. <laughs> that depends on if he's like a social media fiend and like feeds off of, off of what the media says, or if you're like me, I, I go home and I focus on, you know, whatever I need to focus on. Uh, whether, whether you're – my dad probably said it the easiest before I got to the league as I was in college. It's like one analyst will hate you, the next analyst will love you and expect all the media will eventually hate you and or, you know, speak your presence, speak your grace the next day. It's just game to game, day to day. I mean, what one person says about you doesn't affect who you are as a person. So control what you can control. And that's probably the biggest thing that I'm ever going to get from Pops is always control what you can control. And I probably preach this no less than a thousand times over the last 10 years of my <laughs> professional career. Analyst goes on TV and says, Cam Jordan sucks and he's a bad guy. You see him in the locker room and he doesn't say that at all. In your face, he's all smiles and, and looking to shake your hand. How often does that happen? I'm sure it happens a lot. I, I probably don't know enough of the headlines to, to one care or two care. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, color commentary is what it is and broadcasting is what it is. And um, it's not going to help me shed a block. It's not going to help me split a double team. It's not going to help me get to a, to a sack. So great, <laughs> <laughs> good for good for color commentary, good for fans, good for you know whatever bravado that they've been given. It's not going to affect me in terms of running sprints, in terms of beating somebody out for a job, in terms of you know providing uh, the legacy that I'm trying to to uh, now ascertain. What was that feeling like making your first Pro Bowl? You finally – the fans vote you in and you get some love. What was that feeling like? Uh, I think I was walking around like the Step Brothers uh, little scene where he was like, we're a family of learned doctors. <laughs> I was along the lines. I was like, we're a family of Pro Bowlers, all right? Mm-hmm. Father was a six-time Pro Bowler. This is one of many. I was like, don't – I was like, this is just the opening step. I should have got here last year. Yeah. I was like, at year three, I should have been here at year two. I was like, you know what? It's all right. This is this is only the beginning. I was like, I, I, this is a twelve sack season or whatever it was a twelve and a half sack season. This is what it takes, and I have a better season than this next year or you know two years from now, whatever it is. I'll look back at this couple years from now when I'm a four or five time Pro Bowler, and they'll be laughing. And my brother was like, all right, like you realize how hard it is to get to like five Pro Bowls, right? right. So last year I was like, yo, <laughs> not a five time Pro Bowler, <laughs> dad with six. You know, you know what I got to do? I was yeah. like, you know, maybe I'll go seven, eight. He's Come like, on. all right. I was like, uh, he's like, all right. So now we we get it, Cam. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, you get it. <laughs> you enjoy this Disney World trip, don't you? <laughs> Cam, how bad is the Pro Bowl? Um, so you, how do you bad got, is the Pro Bowl? It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> a, the, to, to the media, your favorite, um, mm-hmm. it looks like patty cake at times. So, you know, the speed rush isn't necessarily the speed rush. Looks a little two-hand touches. Is it just you guys literally having fun, or is, is what's, what's the deal there? It's a fun game. That's, that's a lot of fun for me. You're out there having a blast. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking a little reckless. I mean, you're having fun at the same time. Like, 
you know, when it's not the weight of, of granting you a playoff, when you don't have that stress of like, hey, like this is this is for your teammates. This is I mean, this is comprised of, you know, the best guys versus the best guys. And at the same time, leading up to that week, you've done a lot of things together. So now it's like you're sort of friends by the time you get to the game. That's maybe maybe we just separate the, you know, AFC team from the NFC team. So I don't feel like I, I know this guy. Like, oh, right, hey, right. hey, Tyler Luan, what's up, bro? How are you today? That's not what you want to have on the field. I want, I need a little bit of, of animosity. Right. We got some uh, some crazy news off uh, a couple of weeks ago that your head coach, Sean Payton, was diagnosed with the coronavirus. When that news came across your timeline, uh, what was your feelings, and did you reach out to him to let him know that you were there for him? Uh, I mean, I think I was about to reach out, and then he, like, responded to me immediately on Twitter on something I was doing. I was like, oh, he's fine. Uh, <laughs> and you knew immediately. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's fine. And if anything, he started like releasing like play, like different plays on on social media and Twitter. And I was like, oh. And if somebody, I think somebody had like mentioned like, hey, don't release plays. I was like, oh, what you don't know is this mad scientist is now quarantined in a room with nothing but a whiteboard and, and a playbook. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's gonna come out here like Bobby Boucher's coach and have like a whole a whole mad scientist playbook. Like, hey, I've got hundred plays. And he's like him and Drew is just going to be like I'm pretty sure him and Drew probably like Zoom, FaceTime, whatever that, that situation is to, to connect. Probably every other day he probably ran Drew's Drew's mind for everything that it is. When we get to OTAs, this is probably going to be an entire new playbook, and there might be a new system or two ready for the playoffs. Like at the end of the day, I was like, this is a terrible thing. I hope he beats this. He looks healthy. He's feeling he's feeling confident. Mm-hmm. Like as I'm watching on social media, like he's feeling confident. So I was like, all right. Now you just gave, you know, a mandated 14 days of not leaving a room to a mad scientist. What do you think? Of, what do you think he was doing? How happy are you to have Drew Brees back? I, I mean, I, I didn't know he left. Mm. I mean, that's for the fans and for media to speculate. I've never been on the Saints team without Drew Brees being the, uh, the season opener starting quarterback. So until I have to deal with it, there was no worries. Everybody was like, hey, what's going to happen? We've all been we've all been saying this every time his contract comes up. And every time his contract comes up, either one or every one or every two years, it's the same thing. What's Drew going to do? Come back and play to the highest abilities? <laughs> Have what another record-breaking season? I don't know. <laughs> what What can he improve? I don't know, but he does it every year. So everything? I don't, I don't know that answer. Whatever Drew does is going to be to the highest level. How many years does he have left? Just looking at him from afar. I, I, I formulated this theory that it's now the longevity game hmm. between, like, it's the battle of attrition between him and Tom Brady. Once Tom Brady retires, then I'll worry about it. I feel like when Tom Brady retires, I'll probably have another season or two from there. Oh. Or it might be, yeah, yeah. Like, like once, once Tom retires, then I'll, then I'll look Drew's way like, <laughs> that's the domino but you yeah. still have two more years of drew Brees yeah. trying to break every record in history exactly which he already yeah. owns so maybe right, like right. when tom retires he'll be like yeah me too like i worry about it when tom retires till then it's like them going at it and tom is like a year older so i know i've got drew for at least one more year after that speaking of going at it uh your good friend tom brady uh, that you just mentioned is now in your division um i'm still not sure what what, what is what did he uh what did, he, what did he ordain as his? What is Tampa? Tampa Brady? No. Tampa? Yeah, uh, 
Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and Tampa Brady, or something, something like Tampa Brady. Um, you know, I get these, it. Yeah, um, but yeah. he'll be uh, he'll be lining up against you on Sundays. Um, what's your concern level there that uh, Tom Brady is joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Tom doesn't give up a lot of he doesn't give up a lot of sacks. I mean, you know, you go from a, you go from a, a plethora of quarterbacks at the helm of of the uh, Tampa offense. Um, it's been a lot of them in the last nine years <laughs> uh, to then going to, t- you know, Tampa Brady, or I'm not still not sure. About See, now you're throwing shots. See, <laughs> um, you talk about, you know, what, what he does, he doesn't get sacked a lot because he knows how to maneuver offenses. You know, he's not the fat, he's clearly not the fastest quarterback, but at the same time, he's one of your smarter quarterbacks, if not the premier uh, adjusting quarterback in terms of uh, to adjusting the defenses, mine is Drew Brees, since Drew Brees I can't go against. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's infuriating. I've played him a couple times. I don't know if I've got to win against him. So maybe that's on me. Maybe I'm just holding grudges for no reason. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston, uh, still in limbo, looking for a job. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Tom Brady assuming that position. Is Jameis Winston getting a bad rap? 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions last season. 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Talent is clearly there. Yeah. Competitive level, clearly there. I mean, in the type of offense that he was in, he had two receivers with over 1,000 yards. I mean, he, in that type of offense, you're looking to make the deep ball play. You're looking to make an exciting play. So there's going to be higher risk. Um, I've, I've looked at those numbers quite a, quite a few times at this point uh, with different interviews, with different uh, situations. And you say, you know, Jameis is right. If he clears up a couple of those interceptions, which in a new system, that'll be the coach's job to do. He could be an elite tier quarterback. And at the same time, if he throws a couple more interceptions, he could be the worst quarterback of all time. I mean, you can't look at his touchdowns and his success going for almost 5,000 yards, um, going over 4,000 yards in, you know, what, two or three of his first five years and not say he can't evolve into an elite tier quarterback. So I'd take him. Does he want to learn from Drew Brees for a year or two? Come on. I mean, you have to do it at a very, at a highly Scotty Pippen-like contract situation. But <laughs> oh, I guess you watched really, that doc too. Huh? I was like, you haven't listened to the last dance. I mean, if you want to sign this sub for eighteen, come on over, big fella. Right. Um, you guys are losing somebody in that locker room as well, and Teddy Bridgewater, who uh, filled in and, and won some games for you guys last season. He'll, he's now will be against you in the division with the Carolina Panthers. What are you guys losing in that locker room and? Are you excited to go against him on the other side? Gosh darn it. That's my guy, too. Good old Theodore. We've, we've had a lot of backups, and that is one of my favorites. It's like, it's like Chase Teddy. That's, um, Teddy is a, is a phenomenal uh, quarterback. I mean, he was able to come in and, uh, you know, we lose the Rams game, but then we go every game we started, he started, we won. I mean, we went 5-0 and with him at home. We watched him come in two years ago and not really be 100%. Uh, and watch him get to his full strength, get to the confidence where, you know, you're coming back from that injury. And just his work ethic alone is what what endears you to somebody. His ability to take the field and take to an offense that's sort of cultivated around, clearly around Drew Brees being at helm and then having to uh, be subjected to trying to take over the offense for that stretch of time um, and not miss a, a, a step in terms of winning. Um, that's something that's impressive. And so now he gets a full-blown chance over at Carolina. And now we've got a stacked NFC South. Mm-hmm. Hooray us. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, bigger threat moving forward. Is it Cam Newton or Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, that's not fair. They're, those are two different types of quarterbacks. Teddy, Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater is, is a great quarterback in terms of the way he can uh, formulate against the offense or against the defense, the way he's able to adjust, the way he's able to stay calm at all times. I mean, he doesn't get rattled. Cam Newton, sure, he might be a little emotional on the field, but that's what you want in a, in a, in a leader that you, you, know, you want to trust in. Um, but the way that he's able to stretch the field, the way that he's able to elongate plays, the way that uh, he's able to do exactly what Cam Newton does, you're like, oh, that's a Cam Newton type play because there's no quarterback that's built like him. He's, you know, he's strong in the base. He's, he's strong as has been Roethlisberger taking hits. He's fast as the, some of the fastest quarterbacks. He's fast as Russell Wilson turning a corner. I mean, and at the end of the day, he's got a cannon of an arm. I mean, after Steve Smith left, he was never weaponized. I mean, his best receiver after that was Kelvin Benjamin. Mm. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Dun oh, Devin yeah. Funches. Yeah. Probably a little DJ. stronger than Kelvin Benjamin at this point. Right. DJ. Yeah. DJ Moore, that's not Ted, you know, Ted Ginn, right? Ted Ginn. I mean, that's what I'm, I mean. Good, good receivers, no doubt. I'm sure. You like know, we're talking about a Hall like, of Fame receiver in Steve Smith, right? Down, yeah. I'll say Dan and Tampa. They got Mike Evans. Right. You come over to you come over to the Saints. You got Mike T. Right. You go over to you Atlanta. You've got Julio Jones. Right. And then you go to Carolina. Who's your comparison? <laughs> right. Right. Um, there's a uh, Anderson might be their best pickup since. Well, wait a minute, yeah. And they waited. Right. And they waited till Cam left for that. Well, you know, we had to free up I, some monies. It's a whole right. thing. Um, Christian McCaffrey was their best receiver for four. That years. is a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Uh, there is a uh, backup quarterback and do everything player on your team now, and Taysom Hill, who's a kind of a a, a lightning bolt, especially with the fans in New Orleans. Uh, but he's been vocal that he wants to be a starting quarterback. From what you've seen, is Taysom Hill, or could he be a starting caliber quarterback in the National Football League? I'm just going to defer to up top management who have placed a first-round tender on him. Is that how that works? <laughs> placed a first-round tender on him and has, has backed up that statement saying that he is a starting quarterback. Um, what I do know is that he looks good in preseason and he's looked good for some of the throws that he's made in, in, in games as well as, you know, practice. Uh, but as long as Drew Brees is at helm, I don't think there's that much of a window to take over. I mean, with Teddy Bridgewater as a backup, you went with somebody who you knew was a Pro Bowl caliber uh, quarterback when, when healthy. So maybe this is, you know, maybe the next couple of years, he may get a shine here or whatever happens for him. But if up top says he's starting quarterback, I trust up top. It's not a bad stretch of playoffs winning the NFC South. I'd like to say I've won it four or five times in nine years. Four? Maybe it's yeah. four. You're not bragging at all. The <sighs> uh, free agent signings have been happening, and Malcolm Jenkins is now returning to New Orleans. What does that do for your locker room and for your defense? His leadership speaks volumes. And now you've got a you know commander at every level. You talk about um, DBs. You, you look at the way that Marshawn plays. You look at the leadership that uh, Malcolm Jenkins brings. Um, you got Jack Rabbit, of course. I mean, this secondary has gotten formidable. Um, Marcus Williams, of course, has gotten better every year that he's played. So, you know, this is this is getting exciting. Then, of course, you talk about linebackers and Demario De Davis, uh, the way that he's played the last two years, the way that he's taken form this last year. Uh, and of course, you can come down to the D line where we're looking like we're looking to make that next leap. Um, 
I'm pretty excited about our defense. And with Malcolm Jenkins being there, again, that's a solidified leader that's coming down into it. I know your children are getting restless. I can hear them in the background. I was like, can you hear them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll end on some fun stuff here. I got three questions for you. First <laughs> off, crawfish or boudin? What type of day is it? I need to know these things. Hi, well, it's a, it's a random Tuesday in June. That could be a that could be a hurricane, or it could be possibly. I just need to know, like, is is sun out, clouds in the sky? Let's say sun's it's, out. It's a good day in New Orleans. Crawfish boy. Mm, okay. If it's um, cool, I'm staying inside and eat that booty. <laughs> I got you. Are you the best defensive end in the National Football League? Currently, last like four years would indicate yes. Without Easy. question. I mean, just all around, yeah. Best run stopper, best pass rusher. You know, you'd say there's there's specific. DNs for that. If you say best all around, probably like number two in each category. So I'm probably like the best overall. Who would be number one in most of those categories? You're number as two. A, as a pure pass rusher? Pure. Yeah. Pure pass rusher like Von Miller or Chandler Jones. So we pure are putting Von Miller in the DN category instead of they, a tweener. That's this, not really fair. They've got this edge category. And technically, That's I true. mean, yeah. Chandler Jones is a, is a outside linebacker as well. So they're both edge players. Um, but no, they're outside linebackers. Yeah, I mean, if you go defensive ends, I mean, you'd be hard pressed. All right, let's end on this. Um, everybody's kind of locked in <laughs> Wait, the house. You said three questions. This is the third question. This is the third. Oh, yeah, okay. this is the third one. Come on, man. All right, uh, All right. ready. <laughs> I need the top three things that everyone should be watching right now as they're stuck in the house under quarantine. Give me three things everyone needs to be watching. The Cam Jordan specials. I'll say, at what, what age? Once the kids go to sleep. I'm watching, you know, I, we watched The Boys, which is like superheroes in, in like okay. a natural in the city. Um, and so that's a good twist. Uh, I keep hearing uh, Ozarks. Fantastic uh, show. I think, yeah, I think that's going to be my next wave. And then, of course, uh, the not of course, but The Hunters. Hunters. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about like Nazis sort of infiltrating America in, I believe, like the 70s-ish. And there's there's a main protagonist being a Jewish guy hunting the German guys. It's it's sort of a spin on that. It's it's okay. a little dicey in terms of trying to explain, but it's a fire show with Al Pacino in it. And the kids are asleep, so everybody's Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. If the kids are up, I mean it's Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, <laughs> and Word Party. And by the Lord's love of the earth and all that is that is human, I despise Word Party. Word Party is upset. <laughs> What's Word Party? Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Go, go look at Word Party. It's, these, it's, like, it's like the Wiggles cartoonized. It's, it's terrible. I've got two boys. One is uh, going on four. The other one's going on two. So it's a lot of Paw And you Patrol. don't know Word Party? No, it's Paw Patrol and uh, Blaze and the Monster Machine or something. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. The monster, That's, truck. monster truck. It all just kind of comes together. It's, a, it's this whole thing. Cameron Jordan. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Um, your kids are calling you, so I'll let you tend to them, man. I wish you the best, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Special thanks to our sponsor for the Raging Cajuns podcast. The golf season has arrived. 
and if you're looking to shave strokes off your game, you've got to visit the golfballs.com retail center. New inventory is arriving daily. Check out the newest clubs from Ping, TaylorMade, and Callaway, the latest balls from Titleist, Bridgestone, and Srixon, or the hottest apparel and shoes from Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. Located in the Boulevard Shopping Center on Arnold Boulevard next to Harbor Freight Tools. Golfballs.com. We're in your bag.